Welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Wednesday, May 27th. Hey, Bridgetown, uh, my name is Christian Dawson. As you may know, I'm from Seattle, Northwest University, and I get the privilege to stand in for John Mark Comer on this Bridgetown Daily. Again, just want to say that I love y'all deep. You've become a second family to me and to so many people that I know personally in the Seattle area. So thanks for being you and for following Jesus. Now, a couple Fridays ago, I went hammocking with one of my best friends. His name is Mike. Mike and I live in this beautiful city called Kirkland. It's on the lake um, called Lake Washington. And on a sunny day, you may as well be in the Garden of Eden. Now, Mike and I were out on the waterfront on a 70 degree Seattle day in April. As we're lying in our double stacked hammocks and talking, a little kid came by walking and just talking with his family. Now, you know those kids who are just as talkative and just as loud as the day is long? Those kids who they don't really care about any form of social norm. Yeah, I was one of those kids. Let's just call them curious. This was one of those really, really curious kids. I could hear this kid coming from a hot minute away. He couldn't keep his mouth shut. He was just talking to his parents about everything. Mom, look at the ducks. Mom, look at the lake. Mom, mom, look at the trees. And All I could think of as I was trying to relax in this hammock was this poor mother. Like she's been locked up in quarantine for weeks. It's probably the first day that's been sunny enough for her to get outside and enjoy the weather. And her kid just won't be quiet. Now, this curious little kid, he continued on. Mom, why are the ducks swimming? Mom, why are those people? Why are they in hammocks? Mom, why are we walking this way? This curious kid is having the time of his life just looking around, seeing all the things that can be seen and talking his mom's ear off. This mom is probably a true hero. And this kid, as annoying as he may have been to me, was so full of curiosity and full of joy. So later on that day, I was on a walk with another one of my best friends. His name is Josh. Josh has a beautiful two-year-old little girl named Sammy. Now, anytime Josh and I are together, I ask him what Sammy's new thing is. One of Sammy's things recently has been driving. This little two-year-old will get into the driver's seat with the car off, of course, but she'll get and have daddy sit in the passenger seat. Then they'll just sit there and she'll take daddy for a drive. The car isn't going anywhere, but Sammy is full of joy and just having a wonderful time. This week, Sammy and Josh went to the park. When they got to the park, Sammy spent the good part of an hour hitting a tree with a stick. Yeah, that's all she wanted to do. She really enjoyed hitting the tree. She didn't need anything else. She had a wonderful time just hitting a tree with a stick. Those experiences with kids, um, those experiences, they got me thinking about joy and curiosity and wonder. I've been going on uh, one or two walks a day lately, and as a lot of us probably are with COVID, and as I've walked similar paths, I've started to notice little things I hadn't noticed when I drove more. The colors of flowers have stood out. Views of the city that I didn't even realize were there all of a sudden have seemed to appeared. Architecture of local homes has captured my attention. In some ways, I feel like a kid again, and I kind of miss it. I miss the joy in the little things. I miss not needing to always be entertained. I miss seeing colors and smelling scents and seeing scenery and really tasting food and just enjoying it. I feel like I've missed how curiously wonderful and joyful life is. I assume because you're listening to this, you're probably somewhat of an adult. Do you know one thing that sucks about most of us as adults? We lose curiosity and wonder. We lose joy. When did that happen? How did it go so fast? When did life become less wonderful? 
As I thought about those two kids and why they were filled with curiosity, wonder, and joy, I began to think about what those kids had in common. Those kids never met. They probably will never meet. Their parents are from different ethnicities. They're likely from different religions and socioeconomic classes. What is similar about these kids that makes them who they are? Why were they so many things that I wasn't? And then it dawned on me. Both of those kids were with their parents. Both of these kids were around a person who made them feel safe. These kids, they weren't worried about what time they had to be at their next appointment. They weren't thinking about what they were going to make for dinner. They weren't concerned with the budget for their upcoming trip. Kids don't even really think about those things. Kids aren't concerned about what's next. Kids aren't thinking about how things are going to work out. Kids know that everything in the world is taken care of. Kids know that they're safe. I think we lose our curiosity and our wonder and our joy as adults because we stop feeling safe. Or in other words, we as adults become fixated on survival. Our lives become this pursuit of safety. I think one of the major questions going on in the back of each of our minds moment by moment is, am I safe? Maybe we aren't asking in those words specifically, but the question behind a lot of our questions is about safety. Will I have enough money to pay for fill in the blank is really asking, am I financially safe? Will I finally like myself when my body looks the way I want is really asking, am I socially safe? Will my career work out the way that I want it to is really asking, am I vocationally safe? Will this relationship work out is asking, am I relationally safe? Does God still love me even after I fill in the blank is really asking, am I spiritually safe? Then top all that off with the trauma and the pain and the regret that shapes so much of our lives as adults. And you'll notice that a lot of what I'm after and what you're after is safety. As we get bigger, a lot of our worlds get smaller. We have more experiences and we begin to realize that the world we live in may not be as safe as our parents had us first believe. We start to view so much of life as a threat to the life we're just trying to protect. We don't see life the same way that we used to as kids. We actually call the way kids live life naive. But maybe we are the naive ones. Maybe kids have something that we still need. Maybe they know something and we need to do some unlearning. You know, we're all on a quest for safety. And as many of us have experienced, you know, secularism may keep us informed, but it really can't keep us safe. And mindless habitual religion may keep us busy, but it doesn't really steal our hearts into safety. I think that Jesus actually offers the best resource for safety. Better than any other worldview or religion, Jesus offers safety, but it may surprise you how. The Apostle Paul wrote to followers of Jesus going through some pretty hard times, and he pastored people whose lives were constantly in danger. He wrote to people who knew what it's like to wonder, am I safe? He said to followers of Jesus in Rome, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul pastored people worried about their safety, not by dismissing the threat. 
He doesn't say the threat isn't real. He doesn't say don't worry about a thing or it's not as bad as it looks. He says there is danger, distress, affliction, persecution, famine, nakedness, and sword. On the other side, Paul doesn't become annoyingly optimistic. He doesn't say every bad thing is really a good thing in disguise, or it could always be worse, or it's all going to be okay, or even the best is yet to come. Paul says things are bad. They're really bad. He looks at all the things that make life unsafe and names them as threats. And then he has the audacity to say that followers of Jesus can face these threats head on. Why? Because God loves us. Now that sounds gushy and almost unhelpful. How could God's love really make me safe? Well, remember God's love. It's not just an emotional disposition towards people. Paul is not saying that he can face any threat because God likes his people or feels good about his people or gets fuzzies when he thinks about his people or is romantic towards his people. No, Paul is saying that Jesus followers can face any threat because God's love, his actions for the well-being toward people is not threatened. Let me summarize. Most things in our life are threatened each day. They can be taken away. They can be lost. They can die. God's love is not threatened. Not only is God's posture towards his people not threatened, but God's activity for and towards his people is not threatened. A lot of things are threatened, but not God's love. Because of that, Paul lives securely, even though he's not always living safely. Or in other words, Paul realizes that no matter how unsafe life is, He's ultimately safe with Jesus and in Jesus. Paul gets what kids get and what we need to get. We're ultimately safe. Is it naive? Maybe, but it's not untrue. I'm curious to find out if that sort of life, a childlike life of knowing that I'm ultimately safe, is as wonderful and joyful as Jesus says it is. Is it naive? Maybe, but it's not untrue. I'm curious to find out if that sort of life, a childlike life of knowing that I'm ultimately safe, is as wonderful and joyful as Jesus says it is. As we take a moment to pray, I want you to remember that you're God's kid. You know, I keep a screensaver on my phone recently and it just says God's boy. I do it so that I can remember who I am. I'm not a servant, I'm not just a follower, I'm God's kid. I'm God's boy. You're God's kid. You're secure and you're ultimately safe because you're his kid. And that's actually how Jesus invites us to pray. He says, when you pray, pray our Father. We don't just pray to a creator or to king or even just to God. We pray to our Father. So let's just take a moment. And wherever you're at, if you're walking, driving, if you're listening on two speed, whatever you're doing, it's all good. Let's just take a moment, posture ourselves and talk to our Father. So, Father, thank you that we can call you that, that you're ours. That there's nothing we can do to make you our Father. You adopted us. That's our position. You chose. We just got to say yes. And it's cool to be part of your family. It's cool to be your kid. And I know today I have my own thoughts and my own worries, my own concerns about my own safety, how things are going to work out, how they're going to play. I know so many of my friends listening right now have that too. How work and jobs and relationships and health and futures and how all those things are going to work out if they're really safe. So Father, I um, just acknowledge that I don't always feel safe and help me. Help us all today to see that you're going to take care of us 
you've got us moment by moment. You're a good father and that we're ultimately safe with you. Would you help us to trust you with things that feel so threatened? Would we start to see and know that we're ultimately safe in Jesus? Amen.